There we go. <clears throat> I think we're good now. <laughs> and you're awake. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord for this morning. Praise the Lord for the Resurrection Day. Amen. Not Easter, but Resurrection Day. All right, let's pray and we'll get into this. Father, we come to you and just thank you for your word, <clears throat> the truth of it. And as Pastor said this morning, uh, the truth about your resurrection, Lord. Thank you for that. Um, our faith is in vain without that part. The best thing that ever happened on this earth. Thank you for paying for us, redeeming us, and um, bringing us to the truth and knowledge, Lord. And I just pray that you'd bless this time and all the other classes going on, Lord. And uh, just give us an increase in your word and in our hearts and to be able to carry it out in this world. In Jesus Christ's name we ask. Amen. Okay. I pray this has been a blessing. Uh, with Catholicism, anyway. Uh, you run into it all over the place, right? And so I'm going to try and finish that uh, this thought up. Uh, I mean, Catholicism, as we said here in Revelation 17, if you turn over there. <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Catholicism being the religion of uh, the devil. The, the great horror that we find here in Revelation 17 and the thousands, uh, I would say thousands of years pretty much, uh, get, getting real close to it, that they have been operating, um, as we're going to probably see even before the time that Catholicism started there around. Um, it, it's everywhere. People are ingrained in it. People grow up in it. And uh, it's definitely a trap. And these... These truths that you find in the Bible are just great ways to help people out of it. Because that's really what we're trying to do. Get them out of it. Uh, as they will admit themselves, they don't know if they're going to heaven or not. They don't, they don't really know any truths except for what the, the church gives them. And so these are great things to get them out. And so here in Revelation 7, 17, it says in verse 3, so he carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness, and I saw a woman. And that woman sat upon a scarlet-colored beast. And that beast is the devil, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And that is that Catholic church. Uh, that is who that, the, that woman is. And so, <clears throat> with Catholicism, here's the, the hard part about the devil, and uh, Catholicism specifically. The devil is an imitator. He is the great imitator of God. And if you go over to Isaiah chapter 14, we'll look at just a couple verses here, and you can see it very clearly. <clears throat> and it helps make more sense of what I'm about to say. <clears throat> I got a frog in my throat or something. <clears throat> uh, here in Isaiah 14. You guys got that? Isaiah 14. In verse 12, we'll pick it up there. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? And so here's Lucifer. This is his name before he fell. He, he was created by God. He is a created being called a cherubim. It says, Son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground which did weakest the nations? 
Now watch what he says here. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And that is what the devil wants. He wants to be God. He wants to be, have the adoration, the worship, the supreme power of God. And he knows that God is the only one that has power over him because he is his creator. And, uh, but because he wants to be God, and in his heart he says, I will be like the Most High. He is a great imitator. And every great thing that God has ever done, the devil imitates and perverts it. And uh, the Christ has a church, does he not? The church of Christ, the body of Christ. And so therefore the devil has a church. And uh, in this church, here's the problem whenever you're dealing with these people, they have all the great fundamental beliefs of any Christian. And uh, Catholic Church, they carry uh, the doctrines and uh, the beliefs of the Trinity. They believe in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They carry the belief of the virgin birth. They carry the belief of Jesus Christ being the Son of God, that He died to pay for sin. That he was, uh, that he died, he was buried, and he resurrected. Uh, they carry all all of those traditions that you will find within Christianity, but it's all twisted. That's the problem. It's all twisted. And as I said before, um, <clears throat> well, look here with me in Proverbs. Proverbs, just a couple books back. See a couple things about this woman that I was talking about, the bride of the devil. Uh, you can find the Catholic Church throughout the whole Bible. I don't know if you know that or not. <laughs> if you just do a little bit of studying um, and you ask the Lord to show you the truth, He will show you the truth on all this. And so we saw that the great whore, and I know I didn't go through all the verses, we don't have time to go through it all this morning, like I said, I could sit here for days upon days and teach about the Catholic Church and their history and uh, places in the Bible where you can see them and things that they've done, things that they're going to do coming in the future. Um, but they, she, she is the great whore, and it says here in uh, Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 24, it says, To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Right, lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her uh, take thee with her, her eyelids, for by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. And so, a whorish woman is like an evil woman, like a strange woman. Okay, and uh, these are ways to kind of pick up on some different things in the Bible. God reveals this stuff. Uh, to those that want the truth, that is. And so back up just one chapter in chapter 5. It says here in chapter 5, verse 3, For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb. A honey in the Bible is a picture of the Word of God. And the words that come out of a Catholic church, they drop as a honeycomb. Not, not a honeycomb. Not honey, but as. Okay, you notice that? And her mouth is smoother than oil. Very smooth, very subtle, like the devil. But her end is bitter as wormwood, 
that would be death. Sharp as a two-edged sword, her feet go down to death, her steps take hold on hell. And look at verse 6, lest, her, uh, lest thou should ponder, shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. And so we should be unmovable like God, like Christ, right? And the Catholic Church is movable. Her ways have always changed. Wherever she goes, she changes and adapts to that culture, that country, those people to bring them into the fold. And uh, sometimes it's by force. Sometimes it's by subtlety and and soft words. Uh, they, They work a little bit different everywhere they go. And so that is something that if you ever travel into other countries, you're going to see the Catholic Church is different in every single country that you go to. He, even here in America, it'll vary because the South is way different than the West Coast than it is the North Coast, right? And um, I mean, I was telling last week, like the Catholics down there, uh, you know, they have their, their parties, that are provided and put on by the Catholic Church, and it's just pure debauchery and, and drunkenness and sin. Uh, I don't know if you saw this or not on the news. It's very low-key. Uh, but the Catholic Church in the Philippines, they, had, they literally sacrifice people. <laughs> they don't kill them, but they put them up on a cross and nail them to the cross and go through all of that. And it's, it's just a religious show. And they, they, what is it called, flagellation? They flag... How would you say that word? <laughs> they whip themselves and, and uh, all that stuff. Um, it, it's different everywhere you go, and she always does that throughout time to conceal herself, to, to, to draw you in, and it's to draw you to hell. And that's what the devil wants. And so we look at the different, uh, what you have to do is you got to look at their traditions and their doctrines that they actually believe to really get people to come out of it, to show them the truth of what the Bible says compared to what they actually believe. And we went through transubstantiation, or their mass, with their bread, their, uh, their wafer, and their wine that they partake of. And uh, so just as the Lord has a supper, and He's got a table, you'll find it in the Bible, He's got a table, and He's got bread, and He's got wine. And you can see it in today's proverb, actually. I read it this morning in chapter 9. Look in chapter 9. Down at the ver- end of the chapter in verse 16. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. And as for him that wanteth understanding, she, up from verse 13, a foolish woman, saith to him, stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. There's the waters and the bread. And uh, But he knoweth not that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of hell. You can find this stuff throughout the whole Bible. Um, and so we looked at that stuff. Let's, let's look at uh, another big one they have is the vicar of Christ. Anybody ever heard that term, the vicar of Christ? That is the Pope. He, it, it literally just translates to meaning uh, Christ, uh, Christ's place or in, in, in Christ's place instead of Christ. Uh, that the Pope is Christ in the flesh on this world. And uh, he is considered infallible, inerrable, and uh, what he says is, is from God. Is, is what he's speaking, ex-cathedral is what, it, what he says, and that basically means of God, in God's place. And so as we said, there, there are three authorities. Is number one, the Pope, 
And then number two, tradition of the church. And then number three, the Word of God, Scripture. And so what they teach, go over to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. They teach that starting at Peter, he is the first pope that started the church. And uh, from, from Peter down, all the church leaders of Rome, for all those considered popes, have uh, succession from Jesus Christ through Peter to themselves. And uh, they are Christ in, in his stead here on earth. And they take just this one verse here in chapter 16, Matthew 16, verse 18. And they use this verse to build their whole doctrine. He says here, Jesus Christ speaking, And I say also unto thee, he's speaking to Peter, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now if you take the whole rest of the Bible out, okay, we can go ahead and take that and say yes. Jesus Christ is saying, you're, a rock, you're the rock, and upon you, Peter, I'm building this church, my church. And uh, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But you got to put the whole, the whole Bible back into this. Now, let's go ahead and start with this. Um, when you don't have the picture, meaning you don't see what's taking place, it takes away from it, right? And uh, sometimes when you don't have the words, but you see the picture, <laughs> you'll get it wrong as well. And uh, what Jesus Christ is doing is he is saying, uh, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Okay? He, he's pointing at himself. And we know this because there's another example of this. Look in John chapter 2. Look in John chapter 2. I think it's verse 19 in John chapter 2. Another real good example of this. It says here in John chapter 2, verse 19, Jesus Christ is speaking to the Pharisees. Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now the Jews in the next verse, 40 and 6 years, was this temple built, <laughs> right? And they're looking at the actual temple and building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But look what it says in verse 21. But he spake of the temple of his body. Destroy this temple right here. In three days, I will build it up, okay? Or I'll raise it up. And that's speaking of the, his death. And so there's just another example of, he, he's not pointing at Peter and saying, you are the rock. And we know that. No man is the rock. Let's look back in 2 Samuel. And just, we're running through some verses. You can write them down. And uh, these are great verses to show people. Look with me in 2 Samuel, verse, chapter 22. 2 Samuel 22, verse 32. <clears throat> this is a great psalm of thanksgiving, this whole uh, chapter coming from David. It says here in verse 31, as, as for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in Him. And it says, For who is God save the Lord, and who is a rock save our God? Uh, there is no other rock 
save our God. And Jesus Christ is our God. He is our rock. And um, look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Some more, just some more verses to really concrete it and, and set it in for you. And for these people that you might be able to have a chance to show them these verses. I bet you there's people in here. Raise your hand if you got somebody that is Catholic in your family. Yep, yep, we got a few. And uh, these are just all great things to show them from God's Word. Hey, this is what God says. And it's not coming from you. It's not coming from this church, but it's coming from God. And it's to help them, get them some understanding and some truth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you got that one? Yeah. Uh, look down in verse, let's, let's start in verse 10. According to the grace of God which giveth, is given unto me, and as wise master builder, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. And so people can kind of grab that verse and twist it too. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon, because why? Verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay than that that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the, counter, uh, the cornerstone. He is the foundation. He is the rock that the church is built on. Uh, Peter is not a rock. <laughs> he is not infallible. Uh, if you just go through and write down some verses, you'll find a lot of verses where Peter messed up. Did he not? He stuck his foot in his mouth every chance that he got, just like I do. <laughs> I think me and him kind of have that same personality. He speaks before thinking. And uh, Peter denied Christ. Peter uh, went fishing instead of doing what he was supposed to do. Peter messed up. He's not, he, I mean, that just shows, goes to show right there if he's the first pope, that is the, the tradition of the popes. <laughs> they are very fallible. They, they, they stray away from doing the right thing. Now, what God did is God used Peter. Okay, God used Peter and he gave him keys. This is a good Bible study. Look up the word keys in the Bible and just go through and look at all the verses. And keys, all keys are, well, not all the time, but keys is the opening up of something with preaching. And God gave Peter keys, opening up and preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. It started with the Jews and it went to the Gentiles. And that's all through the book of Acts when you move through. And you can see it. Let's look in Galatians chapter 2. It shows it right here. Galatians chapter 2. Um, you can use the Bible to show them that Peter was not even given to the Gentiles. And if you don't know what a Gentile is, it's simply not a Jew. <laughs> we are Gentiles. I don't know. Is anybody in here a, a Jew? 100% Jew? Not one. Okay. We got a guy actually down in Mexico in our church who's 100% Jew. All of his heritage comes from there. Um, but he's not a Jew anymore, I told him. You are a Christian. You are a son of God. You are in the body of Christ. <laughs> you are neither Jew nor Gentile. And so Peter wasn't even to the Gentile, uh, Gentiles. Look here in Galatians chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 7. It says, But contrary wise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision, those are the Gentiles, meaning they're uncircumcised, was committed unto me, that's Paul, and the gospel of the circumcision, that's the Jews, remember they had the promise of circumcision through Abraham, was unto Peter. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. 
And so God gave Peter to the Jews, and Paul went to the Gentiles. And that's what happens after Acts 15, starting in Acts 15 and forward. Uh, we can see here, and let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3, I think it is. 1 Peter chapter 5, sorry. At the end of 1 Peter chapter 5, you can see where he's writing from here. Peter didn't go to Rome. He never set, a full, uh, put a, put, set his, the sole of his feet in Rome. You, said, you can see here in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 13, this is where he's writing from. The church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you. And so doth Marketh my son, and Mark's with him. I mean, Babylon is on the total opposite side of the, the, the field, playing field as Rome is. Rome is west, Babylon's way east. <laughs> Waste. Uh, Peter never went to Rome. And uh, so all of that stuff that they believe in, it's all tradition, stories that have come up from the Vatican. If you go ahead and look at the stories and research the stories and where it all comes from, the stories come out of the Vatican. It's not even real history. <laughs> and uh, so that's breaking them of the traditions of the church, if you can show them these things. And like I said last time, a lot of times you're not really going to um, win them to the Lord right then and there. You're planting seeds. And then you pray that God uses the seeds to open their minds, to get them to question this stuff. Amen. Uh, let's go to the next one, Mary worship. This is a real good one, Mary worship. Uh, let's start in Luke chapter 1. There is not one single verse that you can use to prove Mary worship. And so that shows the power of tradition of the church, because that's where it comes from. Now, they'll, say that, they'll use this verse, but this verse doesn't, doesn't help them any. In Luke chapter 1, in verse 28, <clears throat> And the angel came in unto her, unto Mary, and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And they, and they run with that to other things. I'm going to give you some um, uh, official church doctrine from the Catholic Church, that is, and what they say. The Catholic Church teaches that by a free decision of God, the Blessed Virgin Mary, blessed, the Blessed Virgin Mary was elevated to become the mother of His Son, Jesus Christ, and Jesus' worthy association in redeeming mankind. She was prepared for this role by being preserved by God's grace from all sin, original and personal. Now we're going to look at that, that she is preserved from all sin. Throughout her entire life, and she was rewarded at the end of her life for her cooperation with God's plan by being taken up. Body and soul, they say. She was resurrected, body and soul, taken up, like the church is going to be. I don't know where that comes from. And it says, into heaven where she reigns with her son as queen of the universe. Now, here's what else they say. In order to understand the grounds for the church's teaching on Mary, it is necessary to understand that the church is teaching on sacred tradition. Okay? Those who believe that the Bible is the only source of divine revelation, because their source of divine revelation comes from the Pope, uh, will certainly have trouble understanding where Catholic teaching on Mary has come from. Eventually, the Catholic faith 
we'll add a section explaining about church beliefs and, and other divine revelations and where they come from. And so right there in their church doctrine, they tell you it's not from the Bible. It is from them. And we are to believe a man and follow a man. <laughs> now, look at this, this verse here. It says in verse 28, at the very end, The Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Not above women. Among women. Hey, there's some of you ladies here that are blessed among women. <laughs> yes, you are. She, was, she kind of won the lottery, as I like to say. She got what every woman in Israel wanted. The Messiah, and it came through her. Now, to say that she was sinless is, is an utter lie, um, because Jesus Christ is the only one that was born without sin, and that's why he was virgin born to bypass the nature of mankind, which is sin. Okay, Mary was born unto a man and a woman, and you can see that in her list of genealogy. Um, right here in Luke chapter 2, go over to Luke chapter 2. Now, this is another verse that has been changed in all modern Bibles, all modern Bibles. And uh, it's a verse that proves her uh, sinful nature. And this comes from Leviticus 12. Uh, this is after Jesus was born, she goes to the temple. Why? We're going to see here in chapter 2, verse 22. And when the days of her purification, her Purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished. They brought him into Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And so if you go back to Leviticus chapter 12, and for the lack of time we're not going to do it, you can see she is going for the purification of her sins. Okay? And she brings, because she's poor, two turtle doves. And uh, she doesn't even have money to, to be, you know, bring the proper sacrifice. <laughs> And uh, all modern Bibles change this verse to, it says, and when the days of their purification, as in Mary and Jesus. Well, that immediately makes Jesus a sinner because he had to be purified from sins, which is against Leviticus 12. It's not even talking about the child. It's talking about the mother. And so there's just a lot of confusion there that they bring in by changing that verse. <laughs> but that's a real good verse to mark down and show them that she was not without sin. Uh, they, especially women in the Catholic faith, I found this in Mexico anyway, they really do not like to discuss the sin of Mary and how she could be a sinner. They really do place her on a very high pedestal. Now, um, Let's look at Luke chapter 11. We can see that Jesus Christ dispels the, the idolatry of Mary, the worship of Mary right here. Uh, people have been worshiping women for centuries, thousands of years. We're going to see a little bit about that. Uh, Luke chapter 11, they start right here before Jesus even dies in, in verse 27. And it came to pass as he spake these things, a certain woman, it's always a woman, <laughs> about this merry worship of the company. And that's not to speak bad of women. I'm just saying it's, it's you find it in the Bible, we're going to see some more of it. And you can, if you just go out there and start talking to Catholics, that's where you're going to find it. It's amongst the women. Um, <clears throat> a woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee and the paps which thou hast sucked. And blessed is Mary, 
And in verse 28, but he said, Yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. And this is a great verse to show Catholics. <laughs> Jesus Christ says, Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. <laughs> Get out of the, church, uh, the Catholic Church tradition. Amen. Um, they say that she's the queen of heaven, the queen of the universe. Uh, there's been a lot of different terms that have been throughout the years. But come back to Jeremiah 44. Jeremiah 44. This stuff has been going on since the time of Nimrod, if you really dig into history. I'm just going to show you a little bit. Just to kind of whet your appetite for truth. <laughs> hey man, this is the stuff that really grabs me and it's like, wow, that's awesome, Lord. I just, you really don't have to go anywhere else to find it. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 44. Make sure I'm not missing something here. So the queen of heaven here in Jeremiah 44, look with me in verse 15. So this is, this is when Jerusalem is, is about to be destroyed. They're on the brink of being destroyed and completely wiped off the map, taken to Babylon, everything destroyed um, by Babylon. And so Jeremiah is with these, the last little remnant here in Jerusalem. It says here in verse 15, Then all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense unto other gods. And all the women that stood by, so there's the men, and then there's the women standing by, a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt, and Pathros, answered Jeremiah, saying, As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us, and that's all the words beforehand, he's telling them, Turn from your gods and turn to God. We will not hearken unto thee. But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth. And look what it says here, to burn incense unto who? Well, who does that say? The queen of heaven. That term that the Catholics have for Mary is not original. The queen of heaven. And to pour out drink offerings unto her. As we have done, we and our fathers, our kings, and our princes, and the cities of Judah, and the streets of Jerusalem... And they go on to explain why they're going to go ahead and do what they think is best. But look in verse 19. I want to show you this part. And when we burned incense to the queen of heaven, and what, are, what do they do in their Catholic church? What are they swinging in those things as they go down the aisles? And It's incense. Incense, right? And when we burned incense to the queen of heaven, and that's who they're worshiping in the church, I had a guy. I'm going to stop just for a second. <laughs> I was preaching out in the market, and I had a guy come up to me, and he told me, he, he quoted Galatians chapter 1 to me, telling me that I was preaching another gospel, and therefore I was cursed. And I was like, I'm preaching another gospel. I said, well, what, what gospel are you preaching? And he kept avoiding the question and just bringing up all these other things to me, but I just kept asking him, what gospel are you preaching? And he'd talk about things, and I'd say, well, what gospel are you preaching? Finally, he said, I'm preaching the gospel of the mother of God. Whoa. <laughs> the mother of God. Where does that come from? <laughs> Have no idea. Church tradition, right? And this is how strong they are to the queen of heaven, the mother of God, worshiping the, the, the woman. And when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out our drink offerings, there's that wine, and did make her cakes to worship her. There's the bread. Wafer, wine, incense. 
It's all, the Catholic Church is nothing original. it's, It's something that's been around for thousands of years. And you can go back through history because the woman, there has always been a woman God amongst the man God. Um, I got some names of them. In Athens, she's called Diana. And uh, with the Phoenicians, she's called Ishtar. You can see her with the Canaanites back in in Genesis. She's called Ashtaroth. In Egypt, she was called Isis. And uh, in Rome, she was called Venus to start with. And Venus worship the, the, the planet. It's a big thing with them. If you, if, you just, if you just go back and look at a little bit of history, I've heard a, a very awesome saying that's so true. is one thing that man has never learned from history. Anybody know the rest of it? Man has never learned from history. <laughs> because we don't like history. Um, but it's all right there. Uh, this queen of heaven, this idolatry of a woman, Mary worship, it, it, it's a wicked thing that's been around for, for thousands of centuries. We are to worship the God of heaven and the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, which is Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you just one more because this is a big one uh, with their saints and uh, uh, it goes along with the Mary worship. Let's just look at First Timothy chapter 2 and, and we'll cut it off here. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Now, a big thing, uh, I'm not going to get into all the verses, but they have uh, idols and saints and Mary to, um, to worship. And their reasoning that they, they have of worshiping these idols, they bow down to them in, in the streets of Mexico. They literally carve out, because their houses are out of concrete, they carve out these little spaces and they literally put saints or Mary And they kind of decorate it real nice. And when they're walking by, you'll watch them. When they walk by and they see one of those, immediately. And sometimes they go, you know, like this and, you know, all these things. Anytime they see an idol, marry the church, if they walk by the Catholic church, you can stand there and sit on a bench right next to the Catholic church and you can just watch it once a minute. I mean, you'll see it all day long. And uh, what are these idols and the church and the saints and all of this for? It's to get your prayers to heaven. They have a box, and now it's an electro, uh, electronic box. And uh, you put coins into it. And the more coins you put into it, the more money you put into it, it, it lights up these candles. And they're LED candles. <laughs> and as you light up each candle, that's more prayers that are getting to heaven. And then you go over to the statue of Mary, and you go over to Virgen de Guadalupe, I was going to say Guadalajara, and you, you, you get all of these, these saints, and what you're doing is you're trying to get access to God. And that's really what they believe. That's what they've been stooped in. That's what they've been or steeped, and steeped in and taught. But look what it says here in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. This is a very important verse to show them. Uh, For there is one God, and look at it, one mediator. A mediator is the person that's helping you speak to somebody else. There is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is the only mediator that you will ever need or use, if you want to use that word, to be able to get to God. And when we, that's why when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
And if you just grab Bible and you get these verses, and like I said, you just write them in the front of your Bible. Write them somewhere on a piece of paper and stick it in your Bible something. And you'll have these verses ready to show any Catholic that you come across. And then you just start looking at the other religions because the more you witness, the more you talk to people, the more questions you're going to get, the more comments you're going to hear. And you're going to say this a lot. I'm telling you, I said this a lot. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. And so what do you do? You go home, you open your Bible, and you say, God, what's the answer to that? And like I said before, you got great pastors here that want you to have the truth. They want to help you in this stuff, so they'll, they'll lead you too. But the answers are right here. And you just write them down, you got them handy. There you go. You're in the fight. You got an upper hand, amen. You got the sword. <laughs> Okay, let's pray. Father, we come to you and we thank you, Lord, so much for truth. Thank you for this day. Uh, it's, I know every day we worship you and your resurrection, and we're, we're, we're thankful. We praise you. We love you for it. Uh, but this day, the, the anniversary out of it, if that's what you call it, Lord, uh, we, just, we just lift you up and, and thank you and praise you for it. Bless today. Bless these services, please, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus.